the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. KSLR is proud to feature our Church of the Week. Our desire is that you'll get to know the pastors and churches in our community and find a church you and your family can call home. Here's the host of the Church of the Week program, Director of Ministry Development, Mark Longoria. Hello and welcome to Church of the Week. I'm Barry Best sitting in for Mark Longoria, who is on assignment for this weekend. And what we do here at Church of the Week is we try to present people of San Antonio and surrounding area a look at some of the local churches that we have, some of the great local churches that we have in the city. And if you don't have a church that you go to right now and you want to find out more, this is a great avenue that we have here at KSLR to get you more information on our local churches. And this week, I am proud and honored to speak with a, a man who you you hear every day on KSLR, uh, Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It's Senior Pastor Rander Draper of Maranatha Bible Church. Pastor, it is a privilege and an honor to have you here with me today. Well, it's just wonderful to be here with you as well. And as I mentioned, you know, we've been in partnership with y'all for a few months now as far as doing the radio show is concerned. And I mentioned this to you before, like I'm here in the office usually until about 530 or 6. And as soon as I hear the opening music for Maranatha Bible Church, I know, okay, it's going to we're going to get it's going to be a great show. It's a great way to end my day. And I know that it's a great way for people as they're driving home from work or maybe they're getting ready for dinner or maybe getting ready to go out and do something with the family to have the show on. It's a great show. If you haven't heard it, you must listen 5 to 5.30 every weekday here on KSLR. It's a great, great program, and we really appreciate your partnership here with uh, KSLR. And we sure enjoy co-laboring, co-laboring with you as well. Uh, it's a wonderful tool to reach folk with the good news of Jesus Christ. Because when I when I was growing up in this business, I started when I was 17 at a small radio station that I'm from in, in Canada, and we had a lot of ministry programs on in the evening and on, on Sunday. And we always looked at it as, you know, we're providing a service to people who maybe can't get to church or shut-ins, um, people who, you know, just maybe they don't feel comfortable going to a church but want to hear the word so I feel the same way here as like we're touching a lot of people that maybe can't get and go out to the church or maybe aren't sure about what they uh, what where they want to where maybe where the belief system is. So I really feel that we as a radio station and you as a church are doing a great service for the people of this city. Well, thank you. We count it a joy. It's a blessing to reach San Antonio and vicinity with the good news of Jesus Christ. We love what we do. So, and again, we'll uh, just mention again, the show is on from 5 to 5.30, Monday through Friday. Okay, Pastor, let's start out with a little bit of history about you, a little background. Uh, just let us know uh, where, where you're from, where you grew up, your family, and uh, we'll start with that. Uh, originally, I was born in Houston, Texas. I was there approximately, thir- approximately 30 years prior to coming uh, to San Antonio. Um, I did my high schooling there. I uh, went to Texas Southern University, uh, got a bachelor's and a master's degree uh, there in music education. I taught 
Uh, in middle school, I was chairperson of the special education department. I taught students who had language learning disabilities, and then I went on to Dallas Bible College, and uh, and I got my uh, graduate diploma, and then I went to Covington Theological Seminary and got my doctor's of ministry degree. And what about your family? What was it like uh, in, in your household growing up? Was uh, church a big part of your family? Yes, indeed. Church was a big part of my family. I'm the oldest of six, and so I had a lot of responsibility on me to, to look after my little brothers and sisters. And my parents grew us up in church. We went to Sunday school. We went to church. We went to evening services through the midweek services. My dad was is a deacon currently at the church where he attends now. Uh, my mother sings in the choir. They are on the streets witnessing for Jesus. So we definitely came out of church background. So when you were younger and you were growing up in that atmosphere, did you want to become a pastor? Well, you know, it's just very strange. I would always sit on the first row and I would look intently at the preacher. And then when I got a little older, when he would get ready to baptize, I would want to always be the one to go back and help him change and transition to get back out into service. Uh, when I got a car, they would run me on errands to to go get some Kentucky Fried Chicken or something. And I just love hanging around the preacher. And little did I know that God was going to use that heart to blossom me into what I am today. <laughs> right. So, and you, you talk about your family being really uh, uh, members of the church and doing a lot of stuff. With it. What about the uh, your neighbors? Was that was your neighborhood pretty much the same as, as y'all, like very well-focused into the church and, and, and God's Word? Some were and some were not, but uh, we were definitely a witness in the neighborhood. I came up in the ghetto, and uh, we had all kinds of things going on out there, but my parents were determined to keep us focused, and we were a witness to neighbors, whereas we did have a few that were faithful to the Lord as well. And, that, and that's that's really good, And because I know where I, where I grew up, it wasn't, um, there was one church, because I was a, a small, small town, it was a Catholic church, and at that time, this was in, you know, late 60s, early 70s, if you, my parents were under the understanding is that okay we're not catholic we can't go to that church Mm -hmm. so i never grew up in that atmosphere until i got into my probably early 20s because i wasn't baptized until i was in my early 20s in fact my daughter and i are baptized on the same day so i was if you pardon the expression a late bloomer as far as uh, Mm -hmm. being involved with the church and being committed to god so it took me a while so i can understand you know some people that you know maybe we don't start out born believing, but I got to the point. I got there as quickly as I could, as they said. And so I can understand it. So I, I really, you know, and I I was never um, more, there was a reverend that we had that did a program on the radio station I worked at, and he was the one that kind of got me focused. So I really appreciated that from him. I came to Christ when I was eight years old, and I sang in the choir. As a matter of fact, even when I was not even saved, I would just love to sing along and uh, God called me to preach when I was 18 years old. Wow. But I thought that was so young to be preaching. I didn't want to be called a reverend. So so I, I pulled a Jonah, and I ran from God. But then he lassoed me in. That's a long story, so I don't have time to share that. But God lassoed me in, and at 27, I confessed the call 
to preach the gospel, and it was the first Sunday in November 1979 that I stood and I preached the good news of Jesus Christ, and I've been preaching ever since. And, you know, we, we do have, a, 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 like I mentioned, a few other programs on, and I, I've heard from other pastors that same thing, that they, they came when they grew up, you know, as a kid going to church, but then they went away from it in that, those teenage years. Yeah. Do you see that a lot with with a lot of kids that are coming through Maranatha Bible now that they they you know if you knew them from when they were born and then they kind of go away and why they maybe go away? Uh, I believe uh, the, the pull of the world and the unredeemed flesh and the temptation and sometimes just to experiment. But I'm a firm believer if you put truth in them at a, at a very young age, then they'll have something to come back to should they stray. And that's, the I, I think, a key because our young people today in teenagers, early 20s, those are the folks that are going to lead us in into the future. So if if it, unfortunately, if it stops with these children, then where are we going to be yeah. 20 years down the road? And that's why we have so uh, many experiences within the context of the church for our youth because they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Right. And so our youth are actively involved in the life of Maranatha. They're in the choir. They're ushering. They're, they're working the soundboards. They're, they're worship leaders. They, they, they participate. They, they, we, gav- we galvanize them and expect them to participate participate in the church. As a matter of fact, uh, nothing against uh, children's church, but my conviction is that the parents ought to teach the children how to worship in the church. So uh, up until five, they're in the nursery, but after five years of age, they're to sit by their parents and learn how to worship from their parents. That's a, that's a good, that's a very good thought because there's a lot of, you know, I, I think, um, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but there are a lot of places, a lot of churches that they, you know, they have the children's ministry and they don't really be, aren't involved in the service until like practically at the end when they walk in. And this is old, older kids too. So I, um, I think that's very important too. Um, now you, you mentioned when you started, uh, when you first preached on the pulpit, where, where was that? When I first started yeah. preaching? Right. When I first started preaching, I started, I, I preached my first sermon at Mount Horror Baptist Church in Houston, Texas in Fourth Ward under Samuel H. Smith. He was my pastor. And what was that experience like the first time? Like quickly, if you oh, can. Oh man, when I stood up, I mean, the preach, the, the church was packed out, the balcony was pre- packed out, and uh, I preached a message from Ecclesiastes 3.1 entitled, What Time Is It? And uh, I preached my heart out, and uh, I, then I sang a little song afterward and extended the invitation, and it was, it was just exhilarating to stand, and I felt like a weight had been left, lifted off of me because I was in rebellion against God by suppressing the call of God upon my life. So when I surrendered and I ended up preaching the gospel, it was like a ton was lifted off of my life, and I've never been so freer. As a matter of fact, now I regret not responding to that call at 18. Right, and I was just going to ask you, you know, was there a time where you doubted what God wanted you to do? And it sounded like you did have some doubt until you got to that point. Exactly. And why do you think, why do you think there was that doubt? I, I know you said it was a long story, but why do you think there was well, that doubt? Well, the, the, the preaching of the gospel is a high call and a high pr- privilege. And I just don't want to be found doing something that I'm not sure of. So I really, really wanted to know that I 
that I, I wanted to know that I know I know without a doubt that God has called me because if people call you, they'll send you back. <laughs> but I, I wanted a true calling from God. And, and my calling was made sure through the Holy Spirit's power and all the demons in hell cannot make me doubt the validity of my call. Because if you struggle at the point of, at the point of your calling, then Satan will wreak havoc in your life thereafter. Right. Now, we all know, you know, over, over the years that a lot of people look at the church in a negative way, and that's an unfortunate part of our society, but why do you think people out there look at church in, in such a negative way? Is it because they, they just don't think it's an important part of life, or what, what, why do you think it's so negative around the church? I think uh, they look at the church negatively because they really don't want accountab- accountability. They don't want people... They don't want people telling them what to do, the church telling them what to do. So they they stay away, and they don't want to get convicted. And uh, and sometimes they look at it negatively simply because of not wanting that accountability. And so it's really um, important that, um, that, that, the, that the gospel go out and reach people uh, uh, because the gospel is the only thing that saves to the utmost. A lot of people have a negative uh, view of the church because they don't want to be convicted of their sins, you know, and uh, they don't want to deal with the issue of sin. They love their sin, and they get agitated, and so they attack the church rather than being convicted to do right. Right. And um, we, I kind of mentioned this a little while well, before we started the interview. Um, I wanted to get your impressions on how you see the church has changed since the first time you stepped on the pulpit in the late 70s to now. How has it changed for the good and maybe for the bad? Okay. I see the church uh, still standing. Uh, Jesus says in uh, Matthew uh, 18, 16, 18, Upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church will always stand. Now, will the church has, have issues? Yes, it will have issues. But uh, I believe the church will stand. Uh, I believe that the church today, for the most part, uh, have drifted from the authority of the Word of God, and that creates more issues. And the power is resident in the Word of God. I really believe that entertainment and the attractions of this world system has competed with the church, and people are drawn away by these other entities. But um, the true church will stand and survive the times in which we live and will continue to be that beacon light to the glory of God. So how do you reach those who just uh, want to turn a blind side? I'm not going to hear anything. How do you reach those people? Because there there are a lot. I see them every day. I see a lot of people that come in, and when I talk about where I work, and I say I work at KSLR, and it's says, oh, I don't want to hear all that church stuff. How do you mm-hmm. get to those people? I tell them it's, it's not about the church. It's about Christ. When you reject the church, you are rejecting Christ. So, And one day you will answer to him. So you either see him now uh, as a savior or you will experience him before the great white throne as a judge. But you will one day answer to God. Right. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's start talking about Maranatha Bible Church. Um, when did you get involved with Maranatha? Well, uh, the Lord led me to plant Maranatha back in 1988. We had a little small group of people in a YMCA uh, building. And uh, matter of fact, we had nothing. And my 
my hat that I wore was the offering plate. So you see, we <laughs> had nothing. And uh, we started there, and I started teaching Bible studies. And then we, we got ourselves organized as a church. And, um, and we had our first service back in May of 1988, third Sunday in May. Uh, we met in the evening only simply because we were in uh, Covenant Church pastor by Louis Cop at that time, we met in his facilities in the evening because he had his own worship in the morning. So we met at 6 o'clock, and people came, um, and the church began to grow and grow. And uh, we, would, we thank God for those humble beginnings. So how many people, when you started talking, how many was that small group? How many people were uh, first uh, attended that uh, That, that small group was about 53. Mm-hmm. We started from 53, and now we're at uh, we're over 1,500. We're approaching 1,600. Wow. Do you ever sit back and go, wow, it's just what, I, what you've done and what it's gone from 53 people to over 1,500 people? That's amazing. I'm sure glad God didn't show me that uh, in the early days of the ministry. I probably would have fainted <laughs> it was a, because um, uh, my hands were full then. I was a bivocational pastor. I did substitute teaching. Uh, so as to be available to the flock of God. And I was faithful. My wife was faithful. We had two little babies at the time, Mm -hmm. and God put a little tiny faithful remnant around us, and we were faithful to God and one another in prayer. And God blessed it in in time by staying true to the faithful word of God. uh, We grew into what we are today. So when somebody walks into the church doors now, what can they expect out of Maranatha Bible Church? They can expect to hear the Word of God preach without compromise. We don't entertain. Uh, we're not, we're not to, here to play church. Uh, we want to reach folk for Jesus. And we tell people all the time, this church is not for everybody. If you want entertainment, if you want a lot of fluff, you want a lot of feel-good messages, then you need to go somewhere else. But if you want the truth, the life-changing truth of the Word of God, then Maranatha is a place for you. You'll find that Maranatha, is a, the worship is alive, exhilarating. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real corporate experience uh, to, the, to the glory of God. And a little later in the show, we'll talk about the worship times and everything. But I want to get into uh, some of the different ministries at the church. I know I, I was looking on the on, on your website if, uh, a couple of days ago. You've got a great uh, women's ministry as well. Can yes. you maybe talk a little bit about that? Yes. My wife spearheads the women's ministry, and it's a dynamic women's ministry to the glory of God, reaching women for Jesus. They have dynamic c- curriculum. They have all kinds of events. They have breakfasts and luncheons. They have retreats. They have all kinds of things to minister and to encourage women to the glory of God. They even have a ladies' night out. Uh, they have they they do all kinds of things together to cultivate relationship and to minister to one another. And this may sound like a strange question, but how important is the women's ministry to Maranatha? How important is that? Well, it's very important because it encourages women. And women go through through a lot these days. Many of them are working uh, women with children and responsibilities. And so it's, it's a tremendous source of encouragement. And uh, it's a ministry to let them know that we're there for you. And we love you. And we affirm you. And we're there to pray with you, to edify you, and to 
to guide you through life issues. Right. No, that's that's incredible. And that's that I, I think it's a very big part of it. Yeah. Um, also want to talk to you and and I was again read this a little bit on the website about the uh, missionary work that you all do. It's uh, from what the short little mouth that I got on on the website. It seems incredible. Explain what you all do. Well, we are big on missions. Uh, we've been supporting missions ever since the ch- inception of the church because it is our position that missions is the heartbeat of the church. And so we, we, we love local missions. We ought to start in our Jerusalem, and then we have launched out into foreign, mission, foreign missions. Um, it, locally, we have uh, the Haven for Hope for the Homeless. We have jail ministry. Uh, we have Meals on Wheels. I mean, I, I can just go on and on about the ministers we have in the community. Then, uh, broadly speaking, we have uh, missions in Africa. Uh, we do mission work in Africa, in Uganda, East Africa, and Rwanda. We have schools and clinics and orphanages and all kinds of things. Uh, we have a pastor support program. We have a child sponsorship program. Uh, we, we have a, when a child comes to the Maranatha Academy in Uganda, East Africa, in Kapala, for example, many of those children, that meal that they get at school is the only meal they have all day. Wow. So we, we are big on missions. Uh, that school, Maranatha Academy, has about 1,000 uh, students there, and we have about another 1,000 over in uh, uh, Kigali, Rwanda, to the glory of God as well. Then we have missionaries uh, in uh, France. We have mis- missionaries in India. As a matter of fact, I'll be preaching in Russia this wow. um, September, and I'll be preaching in India uh, this coming October. Uh, we have missionaries uh down in um we have we then we have missionaries all across the country as well you know so we have missionaries all over we have about 20 missionaries that we support around the world and um the one i want to kind of go back and focus and by on. the way we also have a radio program in uganda that feeds over into sudan that reaches about five to eight million really yes i didn't do. realize oh well, that's incredible yes, i, I did not realize that's great i want to go back and touch on something that i've always been curious about and it's you talk about the prison ministry that that y'all do i always think it's kind of i guess it's they're in okay, the, the guys are in jail or the guys and girls are in jail and is it there that they realize their mistake and find god and that's where you come in um, because I always kind of don't, I don't, I guess I don't associate prison and God's word because, you know, I guess maybe it's, I think, okay, these guys committed a crime. They did something against God, but yet they get into prison and they're ministered. Can you explain that a little bit about the prison you know, ministry? The gospel is for everyone, everywhere, for all times, from the guttermost to the uttermost, <laughs> the gospel. Good. I'm gonna steal that from you. I'm gonna steal that from you. The gospel uh, transcends culture. Uh, it transcends time. There's nothing like the good news of Jesus Christ, and the gospel must be preached in those jails. Because if we don't uh, disseminate the gospel in the jails, then the cults will do so, and they they will take our place. When the word of God tells us to occupy until he comes. So we don't want to have a vacuum for the for the cults. We want to position ourselves to reach them so they won't come out, come out of jail uh, reform. That's not going to help them. They need to be transformed. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they can do that is the life changing word of the living God. Well, bless you for doing that. And uh, we just have a few minutes and I want to get into here in a minute some of the events that are coming up at uh, at, at the church. But I want to get your thought on this. 
and it's kind of an open-ended question. If there's one thing that you could change about the perception of the church as a whole, what would that be? One thing that we can change. That you can change. Like, yeah, we talked about the, how people see that. What is, how, what is the one thing that you could change, if, if you could? About people's view of people's the church? People's view of the church, right. Uh, I wish that they would just be able to see the church for who the church really is by coming in and not second-guessing, but giving us an opportunity to serve them in the power of the Spirit. There are misconceptions out there, but if they could just come into the church and see what the church is all about, many will come under conviction, under conviction and not just operate on assumptions. I, my, it's my heart's desire if they could just move those assumptions and misconceptions out of the way and give the real church a chance, transformation will occur. Oh, amen to that. So we just got a couple more minutes uh, left, uh, Pastor Draper. Uh, tell us about some of the stuff that's coming up here at Maranatha Bible Church over the next few weeks. Well, uh, next Sunday we'll have our Youth Emphasis Day where our youth will take over the church. They'll be speaking. They'll be ministering uh, all over the church. They'll be teaching Sunday school, and we'll give them a chance to exercise the gift that God has called them to, to do. Uh, we also have a math camp coming up uh, for high school and middle school and, and even elementary school uh, children uh, to to get them ready for for the coming school year, so they won't be so rusty. Mm-hmm. And uh, that also goes along with our mentorship program that we have in the schools as an evangelistic outreach as well. So we reach out in the community and minister to the schools there on the campuses. At the, but we also provide uh, tutorial assistance and a math camp that would help struggling kids to better handle math or kids that need to just brush up mm-hmm. and get ready, like you said, getting ready get for, ready school for coming. the coming school year. Right. Great. Okay. And um, we just got a little bit more time, but I don't want to go away without um, having you uh, tell us a little bit about wh- where the church is located and the worship times. The church is located in Converse, Texas. Uh, 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 the church is right just past Randolph Air Force Base. Uh, the times of services is at 8 o'clock. We have an 8 o'clock service. We have a 9.50 Sunday school, and then we have a 10.50 service. And on first Sunday, we have our communion and baptismal services every first Sunday of the month, first Sunday evening of the month. And if people wanted to go to, uh, onto the website, uh, what's the website so they can take a look? The website is maranathasa.org. And again, I always I want to emphasize this. You can hear Maranatha Bible Church and Senior Pastor Randa Draper every Monday through Friday at 5 o'clock right here on AM 630 KSLR. And it's a blessing to have you on the radio station every week. It's been a blessing having you here with me today for our Church of the Week program. And uh, just thank you for what you do for this community, uh, what you have done, what you're going to do, all your missionary work. We really appreciate it as, as a citizen of, of San Antonio. We really appreciate you very much. And, uh, and just God bless you, my, my friend. Well, we appreciate the time that we've had with you as well. May God bless you and the ministry of KSLR. Thank you for joining us today as we featured the AM630 KSLR Church of the Week. We hope that during this past half hour, you've got a chance to get to know the pastor and learn something about their church. We encourage you to get involved in your local community church. If you would like to nominate your pastor to be featured on an upcoming Church of the Week program, submit your nominations at kslr.com. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.